Hello and welcome to another episode of Newsreel with Joe and Neil. I'm Joe. I'm Neil, and this week, more insane scenes from France. We're going to be discussing what's going on there, and we hope to explain why we think two major issues on the world stage are connected with this. It's uh, something we've been discussing among ourselves, and we don't really see anyone connecting these things Um even in the alternative media, namely mass migration and global warming slash climate change. Mm. Because these these are, what's clear at this point is that these are important issues to the elites, okay? Even if they're not for people. People are saying, well, I can't, one of the slogans of the French um, insurrection really is what it is at this point, um, is, right, so you all are talking about saving the planet, but we're not even sure if we'll make it to the end of the month. So we're going to be discussing this today, and maybe we'll just first give a a summary of some of the crazy things that have happened in the last week in France. Um, again, there were protests every day of the week, but again, of course, it uh, peaked just yesterday and the weekend, uh, same as last week. Some historic scenes, um, a prefecture was almost burnt down in the southeast. That's like near Saint-Étienne, which is the old industrial heartland of France. Um, regional airports were shut down as people ran onto runways. Um, all kinds of things were set fire to, including a, a modern art museum. I don't know if that was done with any specific intent or message, but uh, some people are suggesting that it was, you know, the whole backlash against postmodernism and so-called art that passes from modern art. Um, everyone's probably seen these images of high school students with their hands behind their head forced to kneel. That was uh, because the students in high, um, lycée, so students, yeah, high school students were leaving classrooms and going out and doing their own protests in solidarity with the yellow vests across France. Um, and the police just clamped down as hard against them as, as anyone's allegedly rioting in Paris and elsewhere and just started rounding them up en masse. And that the reaction to the video that went viral of these kids being forced to kneel against the wall um, was that people everywhere started to imitate it and um, it's become a kind of already a symbol of, of this mass protest movement. Um, the government then folded during the week on the specific initial demand that fuel tax increase at this time was going to be insane and people wouldn't be able to afford it. Uh, they said, right, okay, we'll delay it for six months and then within 24 hours they said, it's off the table altogether, forget about it. That didn't stop people saying, no, we're not done with you, which, of course, speaks to the fact that the the actual fuel tax increase was never really the issue. It was a, a general protest against government corruption. And um, now the way it was articulated was, um, we want Macron's head. Not literally, I don't think, but this being France, you can never be sure. And the climate is certainly intense, such that, yeah, they were going to gather at the Elysee and maybe draw him out. It didn't happen anyway because, of course, the French authorities clamped down hard by pushing, putting out some 100,000 police officers nationwide, but um, mega numbers in Paris too. A complete shutdown yesterday of the Elysee Palace and the whole Champs-Elysee and most of the key landmarks in the centre of Paris. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's serious, and everyone recognises it's serious. I mean, government ministers are saying, yeah, uh, they met... Obviously, they're talking about it in negative terms. I don't know who, which minister it was, but it says 
the initial movement was given away to a monster. That was the interior minister, yeah. Right. Um, of course, they would see the it birth, as a monster from there. Birth effect. of a monster, yeah. I mean, they're very, they're obviously very afraid. Uh, you can, you can even hear it in the media. Uh, obviously, mainstream media is playing its usual role in this of trying to downplay the, the protests or demonise them. Um, and you can hear it in the voices of the of the mainstream media forecasters, or sorry, announcers or anchors or whatever. Uh, you can hear, you can hear a. A, a fear in their voice, basically, um, <clears throat> when they when they talk about these protests. So uh, it's pretty serious, and it's unlike a lot of other. Uh, it, it's unlike many other protests that have happened in, in France in the past. Protests for which France has become uh, well known over the years, going back you know decades, really. Uh, a lot of those protests were. Organized by trade unions uh, for for specific issues, you know, uh, a cut in teachers' pay, so the teachers' union will get all the teachers out on the street, and they'll they'll go on strike for a few days, or real workers, or any other kind of segment of the of the French uh, of French workers. But this is very different in that it's these people are united in a single. Uh, complaint let's say or a single problem that they have and it's uh, it's just the government and what the government is doing has been doing which as you mentioned has been uh, at least on the face of it has been increasing taxes uh, it's not something that started with macron it's been going on for quite a few years but macron has embraced this this process of increasing taxes giving tax breaks to big corporations which we'll talk about in a bit uh, and and you know pushing punitive taxes on the people to the point that a lot of people who are kind of like like many people are in many countries just uh, just getting by on a maybe a bit more than minimum wage or something like that uh, an extra extra taxes on on gasoline or diesel or um, extra income taxes whatever extra social health healthcare taxes and stuff are just pushing it past a point where people are can't really make end, make ends meet, and a lot of people are protesting, particularly in Paris. A lot of them are coming to Paris from outside Paris. They're not a lot of them are not Parisians. The people are coming to protest in Paris because that's where that's where Macron is. That's where the government seat of government is, and they're there to try and they want to go to the Elysee, <clears throat> to the to Macron's palace basically, and they want to make their voices heard by him. Of course, he's not there right now, which we'll get into as well. He's in Morocco. <laughs> Uh, for a very specific reason that ties into everything we're saying. People want a complete overhaul. Um, there are a variety of lists going around, a list of demands, but um, there's a lot of overlap between them. Obviously, whether you're of one orientation or the other, you want more of this, so more government. And in other respects, it, there seems to be a, a consensus as well about less government in certain areas. Um, but the the thing that the the demands share in common is constitutional reform. I mean, that's this right. is a constitutional crisis. Right. This is saying we don't have any faith in the republic as currently constituted. Right. Now, the last time France people have made a variety of comparisons with historical examples, but arguably the 1960s is similar in the scale and intensity of the insurrection. And in that occasion, France uh, its constitution was changed such that it became the Fifth Republic. Mm -hmm. I believe it's that the current regime that we're in, and people are saying it's time for another one. That's, right. that's how entrenched this is. Yeah, it is difficult for. There's not, there's not many historical precedents or any really uh, where a government was 
a president, a sitting president of France, was ousted as a result of of popular protests or whatever. And I mean, these protests can go to much more extreme places. You know, they have a lot of other options other than just protesting in the streets in in, in yellow jackets. They could, of course, there could be a national strike. <clears throat> if enough people get behind it, they could shut down many aspects of the country just by simply not going to work to, by striking uh, if if they don't get what they want. So they do have more uh, tricks up their sleeve to create the kind of crisis that will be necessary for Macron to be forced out of government on a change in, in government. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> you can imagine a, a possible situation where uh, Macron is ousted and Marine Le Pen gets forms a new government. But um, we'll have to wait and see where it goes. But uh, yeah, it's it's obviously money hitting people where it hurts in their pocketbook is is a big part of why people are uh, unhappy and in the streets. But informing that or behind that, like you just said, it's obviously not only that because they've rejected the the idea that they would put a cap on the, or would, would postpone or dismiss the, uh, the proposed increase in, in gas prices. Um, and they're still there, that's not enough. So what else? What is it that's bothering these people? What are they? They really don't like. <clears throat> they really don't like Emmanuel Macron. What he stands for. And I suppose it bears. It's worth pointing out that Ma- Macron is um, a, a very. He's a, he's he's a newbie into politics. Before he became president, uh, eighteen months ago, he was pretty much a political nobody. No one knew really who he was. He came out of nowhere, obviously with a lot of uh, backing financial backing and media backing for him to raise his profile extremely quickly to form a new political party out of nowhere, almost formed overnight in political terms, created a new political party called On Marsh that he claimed was a centrist party and he was going to serve the interests of all the people and he made a lot of uh, noise at the time about the, the old left and right paradigm in France, that this was no longer working and that there was a new, uh, a new political paradigm was, was needed and he was it and it was centrist and all this kind of stuff. And he's this young guy, previous to basically becoming president, he spent most of his time as a Rothschild banker, which probably gives you some indication of who has been financing him. And he's very arrogant, uh, full of himself. He said that he wanted to rule with a, rule France with a Jupiter, well, a Jupiterian rule is the other, is the term he used, which basically means that he wanted to rule France like a Roman god. I mean, it's not, uh, it wasn't even, <laughs> you don't even have to read into it. That's literally what he said. He wants to rule France as a Roman god. By which I imagine he intended something like, I will be <clears throat> distant from the nitty gritty and, and the, and the, the you, 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 yeah, I won't, I won't be up in your face about the policy, but I'll be in the background just managing things and letting everyone else just sort out the problems kind of thing. You know well, what I mean? That's no way to rule any country. Like. Right. Uh, so that gives you an idea of just how to touch he is and how arrogant he is. And he's just, like I said, a political, political newbie. has no experience. And the person that he that would have probably won had he been allowed to, if the media hadn't, hadn't rounded on him and, and supported Macron so, so strongly, was uh, Francois Fillon, who is a long-term Conservative Party in France uh, politician. He was the Prime Minister under Sarkozy uh, a couple of terms before Macron. And he was uh, a presidential candidate uh, but surprise you know coincidentally at the time someone dug up a bunch of uh, criminal charges against him for I think it was his wife he had 
they claimed he had been employing his wife uh, as an aide or something like that and she was getting a salary when she probably wasn't doing much of the work. Now that's pretty much part of the course in politics, everybody does that, but they decided to make an issue of this and get rid of this guy Fillon who was a conservative, like I said, he was at the time he was making uh, friendly noises towards Russia and certainly he wouldn't have followed the same policies that uh, Macron is following and I suppose we should get into that. Macron's policies are very decidedly globalist. Now that term globalist is been bandied about uh, for the past, well, quite a number of years. I think most particularly by Alex Jones. He's most best known maybe for, for talking about the globalists. The globalists are out to get us and stuff. But globalism obviously is a real thing. Um, and there are people who are globalist in their outlook. And they really don't like nationalism. They don't like uh, the idea of discrete national, uh, discrete nation states and borders and stuff. They have this idea of one big happy world, you know. Um, and obviously they're pro-immigration, they're pro-multiculturalism, and they're pro-tolerance and pro-accepting of, you know, pretty much they have an attitude of everything, anything goes, you know. Uh, they really don't like religion. <clears throat> they, everything old is bad. And they are, the, they are the stewards of this new, wonderful, globalized era wherein this is what's presented to the people, you know, and it's all about tolerance, it's all about the nice things, like saving the planet, like you mentioned earlier, you know. One Macron and his friends in, in Europe, uh, the, their big issues is, is uh, saving the planet, uh, stopping climate change. And that appeals to people, you know, because people many years ago, uh, in, in, in the late 90s, there was a big, a big thing about, about Greenpeace and saving the whales. And saving the whales is like, it's a no-brainer. Everybody wants to save mm -hmm. the whales, right? They're so pretty, they're so nice, they're these big, peaceful animals. And if somebody says save the whales, everybody's going to get on board with it, you know? So you just extend that out to save the planet. Well, if you want to save the whales, what about... Well, you can name save the orangutans, save the frogs, save the uh, bears, save the tigers, save the elephants, save the rhinos, save the, green, uh, the rainforests, save the, I don't know, lakes, save all those things, you know? And all together, they're save the planet, right? And right now, people are being encouraged, have been being encouraged to save the planet from climate change. And what's climate change? I don't know. It's, uh, it's something that we're doing to the planet. And one of the reasons that people get uh, are encouraged to feel like they should save the planet is because they're told they're the ones who are causing uh, the planet to be in danger. Yeah. In, in the first week of the protest, Macron... Um was on the defensive, and his response in a speech was, I don't understand. The same people out there wearing yellow vests now protesting are the same people who are complaining to me that pollution is harming them, and they want a reduction in it. So he's tying these two things together and saying, right. well, both are synonymous. Um, that's why this was called an ecology tax, this, this rise on fuel to try and, and of course, it's part of a broader agenda to remove diesel and petrol fuel cars altogether eventually, mm -hmm. and everyone will be driving Teslas or something mm -hmm. by 2050 or something, or 2040 even, it's shorter than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so these guys have an utopian idea. Um, oh, yeah, first, well, just go, going back to what I was saying about global, like Macron being a globalist and what that actually means, we have a video here of the, it's a few weeks ago on the 100th anniversary of the end of the First World War, so celebrations in France for the end of the First World War, and Macron got up and gave a bit of a speech and uh, he, for some reason, he decided to say this. And uh, we'll just let you know. It's in French, but there's subtitles, so uh, we'll let you know what he said. Car le patriotisme 
est l'exact contraire du nationalisme. Le nationalisme en est la trahison. En disant « nos intérêts d'abord et qu'importe les autres », on gomme ce qu'une nation a de plus précieux, ce qui la fait vivre, ce qui la porte à être grande, ce qui est le plus important, ses valeurs morales. Occasion of celebrations of the 100th year anniversary of the end of the First World War in France as the French president, supposedly commemorating the sacrifice of millions of French men and women in the First World War, fighting a world war for primarily for their country, mm -hmm. i.e., nationalism. Patriotism, nationalism, there's not a lot of difference, despite what some people might say. There's not a lot of difference. So he takes a dig at nationalism and says that it's a betrayal of patriotism. It's the opposite of patriotism. It's obviously not the opposite of patriotism. That's nonsense. And he says it's a betrayal of patriotism and that it betrays the one thing that uh, the, the kind of morality of any country, which is our ability to, you know, help other people i.e. other nations, not, not, not ourselves, not help ourselves, but help other people. So nationalism is, is bad in his, in his reading of it because it means that it, you focus only on yourself. But, uh, and obviously, this was a kind of dig at Trump who had talked about, obviously talks about nationalism and stuff. Um, that seemed to be a dig at Trump um, and at America. But there's obviously an argument there that says, well, you can't help other people until you have your own house in order probably first. In fact, if you you may well actually want, and this, I think this is something Trump said, that he, he's not against helping other people around the world. He very much wants to help other people around the world, but he can't. America and any other country can't help anybody else if they don't have their own house in order, if they don't become strong themselves, if they don't strengthen their own position. But apparently Macron thinks that's, that's a bad idea and that uh, you should weaken, effectively, by the policies that he's pursuing, weaken a country and not you know, not allow it to become strong in and of itself with a strong national identity so that then it can do, if it chooses, to go and help other people. So, I mean, that's obviously the opposite of nationalism is what? Anti-nationalism? Macron doesn't like nationalism, so he's anti-nationalist. Anti-nationalist is what? Internationalist, I suppose, is the word. Or maybe globalist. So, I mean, that right there is an example of someone who's a globalist is someone who's anti-nationalist. And, of course, they present nationalism as... Nationalism, nationalism is bad because Hitler. Because the only person who apparently ever represented nationalism was Hitler. And everybody knows what happened under Hitler. Which is another straw man argument, which is just complete nonsense. So um, this is the kind of thing that Macron is trying to, and his people who think in the same way as him, are trying to push on people, as many people around the world as possible. And they, they're trying to appeal to their emotions, basically, and, and present things in, in a particular way. But I think people, generally speaking, people in France anyway, uh, and this is one of the reasons for these protests, is that people in France are nationalistic. France is a very nationalistic country. It's a very patriotic country. And uh, they don't like a president standing up and trashing the idea of nationalism, French nationalism, particularly on a day when nationalism, French nationalism, nationalism should have been uh, celebrated. So this, this exposes where Macron is coming from. And given what I said earlier about where he came from, literally, 
he came from a, a Rothschild's bank, bank basically, where he rose up through the ranks very quickly. Suddenly had a had a, a political party created for him, with all, a bunch of people kind of kind of rent a crowd thrown in to populate this party, and then his 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 his, his party in, in in power right now in the National Assembly. Um, that brings us up one for one one step further up the ladder of the kind of let's say of the pyramid to the controllers and a lot of people there's one thing you hear about uh, from a lot of people in France in the, that are protesting in the, the yellow jackets uh, none of them trust Macron because they say that he's not really uh, he's, he's a vehicle or he's a spokesperson for other powers for someone behind him he's not he's not his own man type thing he's not he's leading he's pushing someone else's policy and they don't trust him um, and I think that can be seen most clearly in the fact that last weekend arguably the most um, I mean, crazy scenes we saw in Paris, even more so than this weekend. Last weekend, while we were speaking last Sunday, the Wall Street Journal published an article. Can you pull it up, Scotty? Um, so I imagine Macron was writing this on the Saturday before, during all those protests. And the, that was published on Sunday. Headline, this is an op-ed by Macron and that Andrew guy, that's the uh, Prime Minister of Jamaica. Not sure why they partnered up exactly those two, but mobilize the private sector to avert a climate crash. A climate crash. Now that's probably the Wall Street Journal's um, shocking, sort of sensationalist title. But the gist of it is that he's writing in the Wall Street Journal, big business paper, right? He's appealing to big business to invest in their money in saving the planet. Now. Okay, so there's nothing new about that, but what, what strikes me here is that this is being published at the very moment Paris is burning. Okay, well, the obvious things, let's get the obvious things out of the way first. This shows a man in unbelievable disconnect with the issues of the day, the issues that matter to the electorate that supposedly voted for him, okay? So you see it right there. Not only that, though, it's, it's worse. He's like, he's digging down. He's in the same way that the police cracked heads and, you know, doubled down on the protesters and they just did mass arrests yesterday, this time around, so there would not be a repeat of last week's um, violence. He's doubling down on his big idea, or ideas, plural. We'll see now if it comes into one big idea. We think we, we, think we can uh, explain it as one idea. So that's last week. This week, same thing again. What's he doing in the weekend? He's preparing and making speeches about going to Marrakesh, to rubber stamp France's signature on this compact on global migration. UN. You, you have Paris burning, but you're determined and you're focused on what you believe to be the most important issues. Mm. And again, right, okay, obviously that's the disconnect between what the, he is as part of the elites and as some agenda wants and what the people are saying, hello, no, listen, you're talking about the end of the world, but we're, we're thinking of the end of the month. Mm -hmm. So I suppose the question we want to frame, what is going on here? Right. Why is, Why is migration and climate change coming out of what's being articulated via Macron? Let's just assume he's an empty vessel for the top powers. Why is that still the message when Paris is burning? When it's got to that situation where they might lose it all. They're willing, they seem to be willing to risk what they have already, including their, their positions mm -hmm. in power, 
for this big idea. Right. They're obviously possessed of a big idea, of a big issue that they're not really informing the people about. Uh, at least they're not informing the people about just how serious it is. Because if you think about climate change, uh, and obviously people have heard about climate change ad nauseum for the past 20 years at least. Um, but what they're told is that we need to stop climate change. We need to do all these things to stop climate change, which implies quite strongly that it can be stopped. Why would you be putting forward and having all sorts of discussions about how to come up with ideas about how we can stop climate change and let's you know and actually implement them? You know, uh, carbon taxes and all that kind of stuff, uh, cutting fossil fuel emissions, etc., etc., etc. Because they apparently, according to what everybody understands from these missives from the government and officials, we can stop climate change. We have to stop climate change, but. Um, what these people are doing, and this is where the other segment comes in, the other immigration part comes in, is that in terms of their policies on immigration, which you just mentioned, Macron and other European leaders, other world leaders, it's a UN uh, initiative, are going are going to Marrakesh, are going to be in Marrakesh tomorrow to sign it, and uh, they, they're they're pushing forward with a plan to this UN pact basically requires, legalizes and formalizes structures, physical structures, political structures and financial structures within the country of the, that, that signs it to allow in large numbers of migrants to make it, to set up a system where it's possible to easily and gracefully or as gracefully as possible accept large number of, numbers of migrants from outside of the EU into the EU. Um, now, where this ties in with climate change is that if you do a search, for example, uh, on Google, if you do a Google search for using the words uh, how many migrants from climate change or yeah. migrants from climate change, and look at the list, and this is these are public publicly available documents that have been around for our, our news stories have been around for quite a few time, few years in some cases. You'll see, if you do that search, I just have it in front of me right now, 143 million people may soon become climate migrants. Uh, climate change is a key driver of migration and food insecurity. Climate migrants will soon shift populations of many countries. Devastating climate change could lead to millions of migrants a year entering, um, I think that was meant to be Europe. Um, Climate change could force over 140 million to migrate within, uh, I don't know what the time frame is on that. And those are all relatively recent within the past few years. Uh, wave of climate migration looms, blah, blah, blah. So, And, uh, and uh, there was a big burst in, in the PR about this right. uh, this year because of a World Bank study. That was the one that uh, came up with this figure of 143 million people mm -hmm. um, being migrants that, uh, by by 2050 due to climate change. Mm -hmm. And to give you some perspective on this, currently there's roughly 65 million displaced people, um, Africa, Asia, Central America, other places. What they're saying is you're looking at two to three times that based on World Bank and other UN studies that are saying it's going to get two or three times worse and the key factor for them is that there'll be climate change. Mm -hmm. Now, these studies, I think people have missed this to this point because what, what, they've been missed? distracted by this phony right. version or 
incomplete articulation of climate change, right. the one where you humans are causing it, ergo, we're going to tax you and we're, you're not going to have access to cars so much. And we're going to stop it And don't way. worry, we're going, to, we're going to invest in all these green techs so there'll be public transport. And it'll be, we'll, we'll look after you. We'll protect you in this. Mm. But first, you've got to pay. You see, you need to pay now or there'll be no planet for your children right. well, that's in the, the future. That's the, that's the money-making money aspect of it. Obviously, these people are into it for making, making money as well. But the key point here is that they say, they keep on harping on that we can stop climate change and here's the way we're going to stop climate change. We're going to tax you, we're going to green the economy and all that kind of stuff. Because if we don't stop climate change, we're going to have hundreds of millions of people coming to look for uh, refuge in first world countries, in, in, in the European Union in this case. So we need to do that to stop that happening. But at the same time, as they're talking out of that side, that side of their mouth, saying that, out of the other side of the mouth, they are actually implementing strategies to accept mass migration, millions, hundreds of millions of, <clears throat> of migrants into European countries, as if it's a foregone conclusion. Right. Which means... If you just do the simple math there, if that's even math, but if you just think about it, that means that these people do not believe in climate change in the sense that we can stop it. Mm -hmm. they, they believe in climate change or they've read secret documents, secret reports, of which there are many, and some of them have been leaked going back to as far as 2004. Um, the Pentagon one. What, Pentagon what did one that in say? Two, the Pentagon one 2004 for the Bush administration, the yeah. George W. Bush administration. Uh, it obviously posited a worst-case scenario, as, as they generally do, but this was done for... By, the, by researchers for the Pentagon. The Pen Pentagon uh, commissioned it and then gave it to Bush. And it was saying that by 2020, the UK could be, uh, and it would be in a Siberian climate. Ocean levels would have risen and caused all sorts of, there would have been crop failures. There would be, you know, war would once again define human existence, specifically war over food and oil because of the change in climate, floods, flooding, you know, um, growing seasons disrupted, all that kind of stuff, and leading to mass movements of people. And this is back in 2004, about 14 years ago. And there have been many more such studies we assume have been done, well, have been done, because, uh, you know, by, by public organisations, but we assume that behind the scenes, governments who like to keep their finger on the pulse and know what's coming down the line to make sure they keep control of their own positions of power and the populations would have looked at this. And it seems that based on what is happening today, based on the policies being pushed by these kind of globalist, neoliberal people who, who are part of the in-group, who know what's coming down the pipeline, uh, they're convinced that it's going to happen. This is going to happen. These worst-case scenarios are happening, or already happening even, or beginning to happen. And that they, their migration policies are designed to prepare the host community, the host uh, countries and their populations for accepting large numbers of migrants as a result of, quote-unquote, climate change and also maybe environmental change, because climate change doesn't really get it, because you're talking about a massive increase in volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, fireballs, space rocks being seen in the sky, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, these people may Although be... Although they don't talk about those things. No, of course, because, but they don't talk about this at all in those terms. They don't yeah. talk about it in terms that that they can't control. They may well be aware that it's something that they ultimately they can't control, but the last thing a government will ever do is admit to the population that something is happening that they cannot keep a handle on because people will turn around and say, well, what do we need you for then? Right. You know, you're useless. You're the one who's meant to be protecting us against this. So they, that's why they push that we can change this, we can fix this. Green your, you know, 
you know, reduce your carbon foot footprint, green the economy, stop driving diesel and petrol cars, buy an electric car, pay more taxes so that we can uh, uh, put that money into the you know sustainable development and uh, ecological uh, projects, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so that's all a lie because it seems that by their actions they know that <clears throat> that's not going to change anything. The writing is on the wall. Bad stuff is coming down the pipeline and we need to prepare for, prepare for it. And the most pressing issue, obviously, for human beings would be massive amounts of other human beings from a different different culture and different cult countries and different who don't speak the language flooding into or trying to flood into countries where that are perceived as being prosperous and where they can... Well, well these people would just go anywhere, obviously, if, 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 if your entire say the entire crop production in an African country is wiped out in one year or one or two seasons, people are going to leave and go anywhere. And obviously, as we've seen, and this, is, this is, has been happening already, this is part of the reason why we've had are there a already? lot of migrant flows coming from Africa. This yeah. is, there's not a lot of research on this as to what's actually happening yeah. climate-wise in, say, African, Middle Eastern and other countries, Central Asian countries. Um, obviously, there's... Uh, but also even European countries, you know, people, someone need to go and look, I mean, we should do it, is go and look at the actual crop yields and stuff and, 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 and how they've been changing, if they have been changing in, in recent years, you know, how they've been, been being affected for, to get an idea of the first intimations of what, what's going wrong with the climate in terms of uh, crop production. But, so these people, that, that seems to be what they're preparing for. I mean, that's the only uh, rational conclusion, it seems to us, the only rational conclusion or the rational, only rational way to explain why these people, like Macron and his ideological kind of uh, friends, um, are pushing this crazy... Apparently crazy. Apparently crazy, pro-immigration, pro-globalization, uh, pro-green energy issues when... The people are just going. What the hell are you talking about? Just stop, stop increasing our taxes. I mean, if he wants to, if Macron wants to maintain his own position and power and maintain stability in France, obviously the thing he would do would be to give the people, the protesters in France, and there's like eighty-four percent based on polls, eighty-four percent of French people support these protests. You would, you see, you would see that as a, a significant threat, a very clear and present threat to your, to your position and to stability in the country and if you're the president you want to maintain stability and your position so you would give these people what they want but why would you would you so obtusely just continue on with this with these issues that seem to be so far removed from the actual uh, issues that that people the ordinary people of France feel because you know something that they don't and that's why you also take this air of this ar you have this arrogant air above it all yeah. that's why you're you're, Jupiter, you're ruling as Jupiter, as a Roman god, because you're above it all, right? Because you know what they don't know, mm -hmm. and you can't listen to what they say because they're in the dark, basically. And um, so that's, that's assuming that, and I'm pretty sure there are some people, that I think it's a reasonable assessment of the situation and that there are people, a lot of them in positions of power that uh, are unelected, uh, you know, in corporate, in banking, and finance, and that kind of stuff, and behind the scenes in politics, but not elected, who pull the strings, you know, the eminence degrees behind the thrones as there are in many European countries, civil servants, high-level career bureaucrats, that kind of thing, who know about this and, um, and, and are pushing, pushing this, this, this agenda. 
without telling people what it's actually about. And so, uh, and they're doing it for rational reasons in that respect. But there's other people I think who are f getting on board with it because it's very well conceived the way that they are pushing it because it's, it 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 tugs at people's emotional heartstrings, right? It's save the planet, save the rainforest, save everything. And what about the poor migrants, right? It's all emotionally laden. Yeah. So you get a lot of other people. Everything who, is set up to entice people right, to embrace this. Right, and you get a lot of people who aren't in on the big secret, mm -hmm. who don't know what's coming down the pipeline. And have who, to deal with day-to-day -day negative consequences well, no, of these things. But, well, you have a lot of people in positions of power who aren't part of the in-group, who don't know about it, ah. but, who, but who, who will embrace the ideology for ideological reasons because it fits with their view of the world. Because or financial reasons because, financial because reasons. the scheme has been set up for them. If you right. create a carbon-type uh, market where you can game it and do well out of it, well, okay, right. now there's a financial incentive for me to participate in it. To pretend, but yeah. then there are those who, well, geez, they can make their mega-industrialists, the owners of conglomerates and uh, venture capital firms and hedge funds like Soros, they can make their money. They can make, Soros can make a killing by betting against... Anything. A currency overnight. He was recently fined by Hong Kong for uh, naked short selling. Um, this is the guy who has, in the meantime, written editorials about how it's bad and uh, countries should try and legislate against vultures mm -hmm. like me. And then he goes and does it. He can't help himself. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he's writing these op-eds about how we need to save the people, save the planet. Right. He's obviously not motivated by a care for people as such. No. But he knows or he's privy to something. Well, he's figured it out because he's that damn smart. Mm. He's also figured out that shh, one must not say these of things because you'll spook the hell out of the herd, right? Right. And so how the hell are we going to get them through this transition mm -hmm. with our asses and our dollars intact? Right. That's or maybe it's almost like don't spook the herd in advance because things could go, could go wrong before we have all of the structures in place mm. to contain it. They may not, may not even be thinking that uh, they may... In, in their delusions, they may think that, well, we can prepare European peoples in European countries for mass migration by going through this advanced process of acclimatizing them, you know, manipulating them and, and browbeating them into being tolerant and open and non-racist and multicultural and stuff so that when much larger numbers of people uh, of, of refugees from areas where, where climate change has destroyed their, their, their means of living come in, then it'll be a more of a smooth transition. But they may, may also be thinking that they're just, they're, they're holding the people in this, with this lie, you know, of telling them it's all good, we can we can change the planet, we can stop climate change, etc. Uh, so that when it happens, they know it's not going to be good if, you know, 100 million people land on the shores, 140 or 200 million people from Africa or from Central Asia land on the, at the borders, at the door of Europe and force their way in. They know it's not going to be good no matter what way you slice it, no matter how much preparation you've done for it, but they want to make sure that they have the structures in place, i.e. effectively the police state structures in place so they can contain the mass chaos that will result from that kind of an influx of, of, of foreign people because it's not sustainable. I mean, there's just, you, put a, you put an extra 50 million people in France, who's going to feed them? Or even an extra 10 million people in France? How, how is the social welfare system going to deal with an extra 10 or 20 million people in France or Italy or Germany? Is it going to hold up? Is there going to be enough uh, doctors? Is there going to be enough uh, hospital beds? Is there going to be enough medicine? Is there going to be enough food? I mean, you know, so they may, may be preparing for a very dark scenario, but they're basically keeping the people in the dark as much as possible or for as long as possible before it actually hits. But 
the people who aren't aware of that, who are, like I said, who have embraced the ideology of help the poor, refugees, etc., etc., and multicultural, uh, those people are doing, a lot of them, I'd say, are doing it for ideological reasons because it's, it's personal to them, you know. One example would be we have a tweet here from the Irish Prime Minister, uh, Leo uh, Varadkar, his name is, um, from not too long ago, it was just a few days ago, actually, in um, Killarney, <coughs> In Ireland, he was at a big meet or whatever where 3,000 new citizens were sworn in. And he said that he tweeted that since 2011, about 120,000 people have become Irish citizens, strengthening our economy, running our public services, and enriching our society. Now, see, notice the way he, the way he views an influx of 120,000 people in Ireland. I'll just give you an idea in the last four or five years. Um, there's four and a half million people in Ireland, so that's about 10% with 130,000, so it's about, uh, f let's call it uh, a third of that, let's call it about 3% of the population. So 3% of the population, what's uh, 65 million in France? What's 1% of 65 million, Scotty? 650,000. Times three. <clears throat> about 1.9 million. 1.5 yeah. million. So, um... That 120,000 people in Ireland is equivalent to 1.5 million people, non-Irish nationals, refugees, effectively, becoming, em immigrants. Becoming French overnight. Becoming French within, within well, a Ireland, number of years. Ireland That's has greater plans. They, they, they plan to have another million yeah, I know. people coming. But the thing is, what, what, what's interesting, what he said is that, is that uh, he, he mentioned that it's about, uh, what did he say there again, Scotty? Um, strengthening our economy, running our public services and enriching our society. So that he's under the uh, illusion, apparently, that you can bring in large numbers of people into your society and that it will actually improve your economy. But statistically on that, in terms of refugees, I think in several Nordic countries there were studies done and each refugee that comes into, like, say, Sweden costs 60,000 euros per year. And this is someone who's coming in with very often no skills and doesn't speak the language. They're not going to start at any time soon contributing to the economy. Mm -hmm. For the foreseeable future, there's going to be a massive weight on the economy. And if you multiply them by a million or a few million, that could be that could spell disaster. So why would, the economics of this doesn't stack up either? It's bizarre, you know. But some people, like the Irish Prime Minister there, who incidentally is half Indian, and that's why I say people like him would be pulled into it ideologically. You know, he himself is technically an immigrant uh, or from immigrant parents or stock. Uh, he's also homosexual, which is a, another part of that has been thrown in there with the with the tolerance. You see, it all fits together. If you can't do, you can't be tolerant, you can't be tolerant towards uh, you know other sexualities or transgenderism, or whatever, without also being tolerant to uh, immigrants, you know, other cultures, and tolerant towards multiculturalism. It's all of a piece. You know what I mean? If you're a tolerant person, you're tolerant across the board, or at least that's what they want people to to be. You know, and this obviously feeds into. Uh, the, the push for acclimatizing Western European or European populations to accept an influx of refugees so that they don't, because then, I mean, the first thing, if you got 500,000, yeah, acclimatizing. Being the key word, pun, not pun intended. <laughs> yeah, acclimatizing these people, if you got half a million Somalis or any other African nation suddenly landing you know, in a country, a relatively small country, where, say, the demographics of your town that was traditionally, you know, almost was 100%, say, French, white French, white French Christians. And within a few weeks, half the population 
or the population was 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 doubled and half of them now now you're only 50 percent french and you've got people you know i mean the natural i'm not saying it's a good thing but what i'm saying is the natural uh, instinct for a lot of people in that situation is to say hang on a minute what's going on i don't necessarily like this i'm not ready for this i'm not ready for this massive dramatic kind of radical change in the structure of my society you know and i it leads to racism etc so how do you stop that from happening well you have to spend some time acclimatizing people and browbeating people which is the key word browbeating people shaming them into being accepting of other cultures and telling them that actually it's a very positive thing to be for a country to be multicultural and if you accept multiculturalism then not only is it a very good thing for the country but you are a very good person and the opposite is also true if you don't like multiculturalism you are a very very bad person somewhere up there along with Hitler and Heinrich Himmler. And this is the overwhelming message being pounded day after day. Right. And it's for a reason. It has to be for a reason, right? Okay. So let's just try and recap that reason. Migration and saving the planet from climate change are intimately connected. They're the reason why the elites are so aloof because they're not telling people what they know or are vaguely aware of, or perhaps do not have a clue, and they're dumb, but they're still attracted to the ideology because the precedent, the the dynamic of power has been set. The signals are going out to others of like mind. You can win power by playing to this political rule that rule book that has been set. Right, because someone who people and people with the power to give power, and the, yes. that's that that this is what they want. And the ultimate motivation for this. Um, in a way, it isn't, it isn't, it's, yes, it's, it's selfish, but they will see it as the planet is going to go through Major unbelievable upheaval. transition. We need to get through it, and our motivation for getting through it is that it's we need staying. to be on top when we get out the other side. Right. Well, and so, in them. a way, what's been done so far with acclimatizing people to mass migration is a prophylactic, a kind of a, a vaccination, a deliberate effort to get people to accommodate it, to change the way they view it, to change their um, social mores, to change their legal structures, because a lot, lot more of this is going to come down the pipeline, not because of the consequences of Western wars in places like the Middle East, but because of things that are outside even that right. gambit of control right. that the, the ultimate powers that we have. Right. Massive, systemic, global climate change resulting from natural disasters. On Changing uh, weather uh, patterns, massive flooding, massive rainfall, uh, places getting a lot colder than they were before, the uh, growing it, season changing. And the reason why people have said, some people have said uh, over the past 20 years that climate change, or as is known, was known, more so previously, global warming, global warming slash climate change is the biggest scam or con that has per been perpetrated on the human race ever. The I, reason the reason they say that is for one very good reason, and it and I think it's it's obvious to most people who who look at this situation and look at what's being said around climate change and what we need to do. And the scam or the con is the claim that we can do anything about it. Yeah. That's the big scam. We cannot do anything about it at all. And the people are, 
I mean, it's and the people who are pushing that angle are sc- absolutely scamming people, and they're they're keeping people in the dark, you know, about the reality of climate change while talking about climate change, which is bizarre. They talk about it incessantly, mm-hmm. but they don't tell the truth about it. No, it's it's the the sea levels are going to rise, and by twenty one two thousand one hundred, don't worry, you'll be dead by then. But your kids, this is important yeah. for your kids, so it pulls on their heartstring and gets yeah. them invested in it. You're going to live, but your kids and grandkids, they're going to suffer. Well, the sea bit, levels will rise then yeah. and everyone will be screwed. But in fact, it's it's a lot more pressing and urgent for people's now. Right. And you, you do get the more honest reports, like that World Bank one, about how in just a decade or two's time, the number of refugees slash migrants will double or triple mm-hmm. in the near term. 143 million is a lot of people. It's about a third of the entire EU population. And, and it's interesting that um, they do adapt the narrative as obvious signs of climate change is just happening right now right. become more and more manifest. I suppose the other part of the big con is not just that we can't that we can do something about it, that claim that we can do something about it, but that they blame blame it on human beings. That's a really big scam, a really big con. That's a big lie. Uh, when it's got nothing to do, it's got almost nothing to do with human beings and human activity. It bre- yeah, it, obviously, it, um, again, heartstrings, guilt factor, <clears throat> but empowerment, you can do something about right. it. And what they're not quite bridging, but I mean, they, they may know, as well be, can they I, may as well connect the two at this point and say... Can I give an analogy? It's like someone who, a group of people living at the bottom of a volcano that seismologists have fairly accurately predicted is going to undergo a massive eruption in the very near future. And there are X number of thousands of people living at the bottom of that volcano. And they have become aware that there might be something big coming down the pipeline. But they've actually been told that, yeah, there is something big coming down the pipeline. That volcano up there is threatening to erupt and wipe you all out in a heartbeat. But we can stop it. And in fact, the only reason it's it's going to erupt is because of the way that you are living your life. Now, if you will just start, you know, building... If you will just start carrying those bricks up to the top of the volcano and throwing them in, uh, then we will be able to stop it happening. So you're effectively... If you will voluntarily agree to reduce your means of sustenance, right. to, to be, live a more impoverished... Yeah, they um, give you some complicated kind Sustainable of thing. Yeah. life. Yeah, because you're burning fossil fuels at the bottom of the volcano and the fumes from your vo- uh, fossil fuels are going up into the volcano and making it more likely that it'll erupt. Some kind of bullshit like that, basically. And people are going, okay, and yeah, well, since my life's at stake, I should probably do something about that, blah, blah. And, and they don't realize that the, that the real, uh, that the truth of the matter is that you can't, you're not to blame for the volcano going to, going to erupt and you can't stop it. And the best thing you, you could do right now is get the hell out of there. Now, we're not suggesting that, pe- suggesting that people are going to move because that analogy only goes so far because the climate change and environmental earth changes that are coming down the pipeline are not something you can, can, can predict. They're going to be global in nature and they're going to be very erratic and um, un- unpredictable in terms of where they, where they happen and, and what effect they have. But they are going to have a very damaging effect and obviously there's knock-on effects you know something that happens in like talking about immigration something that happens in in north africa for example can have a a dramatic effect on uh on on europe further north as a result of massive migrant flows this is what um macron is saying in his in his wall street journal op-ed the world has only a few years to change course so the urgency this is why this is top of my agenda you can all scream and shout and burn Paris down, 
but listen, I, I have more important things to do. So please just, just please go out there and just crack some heads. The world has only a few years left to change course. The urgency right now, policy shift right now. And he says later on in it, first thing we're going to do is mobilize public investments. That's neoliberal speak for tax people mm -hmm. to pay for it. Mm -hmm. That was increasing the fuel tax that the and many other taxes, were protesting yeah. against. And, re and reducing other services so that you save money, oh, save yeah. tax money. So it's not just about increasing, making people pay more, but it's about taking the taxes that people already pay and diverting them away from public services to greening the economy. And it doesn't help any. Like you know, it's all right. You know, you, you couldn't find a, a a bed in hospital when you went with with your broken leg. That's okay. You can be happy that the uh, <laughs> that the taxi that took you here or the ambulance that took you here was running on electric power, and after it dumped you at the door of the hospital because there were no beds, because we took taxes and put it took your taxes that could have provided more beds for you and put it into. Uh, uh, electric an electric ambulance. You meant to be happy with that. How's this for cosmic <clears throat> irony, Scotty? Can you pull up the um, the book, self-authored ostensibly by Macron, while he was running for president? Look at the title of it: Emmanuel Macron Revolution. Well, he got his revolution, but it's not the one that he had in mind. This revolution basically amounted to this. This is what he was proposing when he was running. He didn't shout it too loudly because, of course, he was promising people, uh, speaking out of one side of his mouth and promising them, you know, all kinds of riches. But, and this is a, a Guardian review of the book, right? So normally a favorable columnist. Mm -hmm. He summarized, Macron's one big idea to save France is as flawed as his prose. It is a banal theory that is unworkable in practice. Essentially, Macron wants to implement a series of reforms in French employment law which would bring it closer to the Anglo-American model. Most crucially, he certainly does not seem to understand the French people for whom employment rights have an almost sacred value. And uh, the guy summarizes, this is a boy who is clueless in the face of reality, but convinced that he is some kind of genius. Mm -hmm. When confronted, as his former colleagues and peers testify, he turns nasty. Right. And what was the specific central idea of his revolution. It was to slash over the five years of his term, a hundred billion euros worth in public spending. That's public divestment. He was talking about to the Wall Street Journal business bankers, mm -hmm. away, take it away from the people and invest it in the things he believes ultimately to save the people and their future generations. That's being generous. Through the, that's, that's being generous. That's being generous. I mean, you could spend it another way and say that these people are just bilking uh, the public purse to line their own coffers you know, in, ahead like, of the shitstorm. Well, ahead of a shitstorm, yeah. So, so that you're protected better yourself. I mean, I would go. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a problem with that with that theory either, because I don't. Don't put anything past these people. But it's interesting, Macron, like that description of Macron. He's a, he's a perfect dupe, you know. And that's why you see a lot of. I mean, they don't. The, the modern, um, the people who who make presidents and prime ministers, they don't really want, especially in Europe, they don't want. Um, yeah, they want someone who's ideologically on board with them. It can be a career politician, a long term, kind of a sitting, you know. Senator or Congressperson or whatever, or Member of Parliament. But if they can't find someone like that, as it was the case in France during the last election, they look for some dupe like Macron, some wet behind the ears, little trumped up, jumped up, arrogant ideologue who will, you know, who, who just is consumed with his own his own sense of uh, of of power and 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 brilliance, basically. And someone like that can just be sold 
sold any line you want them to and they'll do whatever you want them to do you know and uh, more longer term older like his opponents macron's opponents during the election like fillon uh, a bit more um they have a bit more mileage under the hood they've been around the block they know how things work and they're less likely to believe they know they know that there's a power behind the throne they know that there's some skullduggery and they know on. they have to balance that against what the people will say <clears throat> right as politics right so but when you have some Macron, he will just give carte blanche right to his Rothschild yeah. backers or whoever they right. are. He was picked for his for his psychological profile. And his psychological profile is that someone who is, con- who is such a raging narcissist uh, and consumed with his own sense of self that he could be led to do whatever they want him to do. Uh, which is what happened. Do, do and that's why people are protesting. Because they see that in him, one way or another. They don't necessarily see it very clearly, but they feel it. They, they get that impression from him, from yeah. various little things he's said and done, his attitude... Everything, it's a kind of the idea that after looking at someone for X number of months and what they say, you can't remember everything they said. You don't know why, but you really don't like that person. There's something not right with that person. There's something wrong with him. And, you know, other people have more, obviously, with taxes and that kind of stuff, it's something more tangible for them to, to hang on to. But in terms of their personal opinion of Macron, a lot of people are just like, yeah, that guy's a little prick. Yeah. Get him out of here. We know that the mass psychology of a crowd uh, can get it wrong, probably gets it wrong more often than right. Who's to say exactly? But it's always context specific. I find it interesting that the one issue that the straw that broke the camel's back in France was the pushing of this so-called ecology tax. Right. Um, it's as if the mass mind was saying no, no, because we have immediate uh, selfish interest, so to speak, well, rational needs. Yeah. Yes. Um, so no, but it's interesting that the, it's the very issue that ties into. Right, everything Cli- else. Cl- um, climate change and mass migration. Right, that's being that's being pushed. It's all they couldn't been, have they couldn't been, have picked a more symbolic thing thing to reject against. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and so, then they would not probably have done it intentionally. That's the way that the non-linear way that it worked, and boom, it collapsed on that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I really encourage people to just just do that thing we suggested earlier. Google something like the question of how many migrants due to climate change, and that. Uh, there's so many interesting things that come up, but one of them was this World Bank um, report that was published uh, earlier this year that came up. Can you pull up the, a link of that? I think it's called, it's on the carbonbrief.org. Here it is. Um, look at the language that's used. It's obviously being used in, you know, commonly in certain circles in the UN and World Bank and elsewhere. Go down to the first paragraph or so there. Look how they describe... In that paragraph that begins, but prompt efforts to cut greenhouse gas emissions, right? Global warming issue, climate change, right? And incorporate climate migration into development planning. They literally put that together as if that's, you know, a commonly used term. It has common currency in these policy circles. Climate Climate migration. Mm -hmm. The two are put together because they are one and the same issue. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And just to go back to something we were saying earlier on about, I mean, these reports that have been around for a very long time, uh, but back 14 years, there's a, there's a link there, uh, the article that reported on it from The Guardian. This is 2004. You can see the, uh, the date on it there. And the title is, Now the Pentagon tells Bush climate change will destroy us. This is Sunday, 22nd of February, 2004. Uh, bullet points are secret report warns of, warns of rioting and nuclear war. 
Britain will be Siberian in less than 20 years. Threat to the world is greater than terrorism. And that's, that's 2004. Of course, this was a report, like I said, commissioned by the Pentagon for Bush um, at a time when Bush had just launched his war on terror. And this is saying that it's, the threat is greater than the threat of terrorism. So does that then put a different slant on the war on terror, assuming mm. that people like Bush and people behind him and in the US uh, were, uh, were aware of this and took this seriously even back in 2004, that the war on terrorism, i.e. It's a, it's a globalist war, right? It was a war to spread uh, and increase American influence and its footprint around the world as much as possible. Was the, it's a war on terror, and terrorism has, has, therefore just a, has just been a ruse or a cover for this expansion of the interests of these globalist types at the top of the pyramid who envision major upheavals and want to have their finger on as many, in as many pies or finger on as many buttons as possible. And the best way they could do that, and obviously to do that they needed to, ex to project American power around the world as much as possible and they needed a, needed a rationale for that, so they came up with 9-11 and the war on terror. But behind it, what, the, what all that was informed by was this awareness of major climate and earth changes coming down the pipeline. And they got on early, right? They got on in 2000, 2001 with the 9-11 attacks and then 2002, 2003 with Afghanistan and Iraq. And America is still in Afghanistan. It's still in Iraq. And it is in, in, in many other countries as a result of that expansion. For what purpose? People still wonder why why America is still in Afghanistan. Why they sank seven trillion into the Middle East and got very little apparently yeah. in return. Yeah, what are they, what, they're just trying to hedge their bets because of climate change. Um, because of what they know, the reality of what they know climate change to be. Um, General Dunford, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said recently in talking about why America, the US military, was still in Afghanistan and would remain there. <laughs> it was actually pathetic, like it was so just made my jaw drop. Uh, he said that, well, you know, ISIS and Al-Qaeda, uh, if we don't stay in Afghanistan, they will uh, regroup and uh, get themselves together and they have the potential to carry out another 9-11 attack on America. That's why we need to be in Afghanistan. Um, so when you, when you read between the lines on that, interpret that or translate that into the real language, what you realize is that he's saying that uh, they need to be the reason they went to Afghanistan in the first place was because of this perceived threat that they saw well I mean obviously this gets into geopolitics as well and uh, securing America's influence around the world maybe for the climate change reason and climate impact reason but obviously the, the reason they're in Afghanistan was as a, a hedge or as a a block against Russia and China and Russian Chinese uh, influence and expansion uh, in that region, uh, oil resources, you know, energy resources, etc. So that's the reason they went there in the first place, and the reason they need to stay there is for exactly the same reason. Yeah, there are many. I mean, there are many believers on of the man-made global warming. Therefore, we we must all do something about it. Many of the believers who have published umpteen studies, I mean, they, they believe the notion 
the, the central premise, but they don't believe the government's in their sincerity to be doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just they're kind of caught in a catch-22 of their own making, which is kind of tragic in its own way. But just to give you some, this is a well-established fact, um, that just the top 100 of the world's conglomerations, um, largely Western, but not only, nowadays are Chinese and Russian too, like Gazprom, account according to the standards they've set for what it is that pollutes and therefore contributes. So if you use the models they've made, which are harebrained in the beginning because this, the effect that human industry can make on, on things that are ultimately cosmic in origin and scale. Anyway, if we accept the central premise that man's contribution to global warming slash climate change is significant, well then, of the, the top 100 companies alone produce, by their own models, 71% of the warming. Mm-hmm. And... This was brought up specifically in in, um, relation to the protests in France. Those French companies named in that top 100 are the very ones who have benefited the most from his tax cuts as part of his slashing 100 billion from the French uh, economy. He would say that's to allow them to have enough capital to go green. Right. Well, the people don't believe it because there was a protest in Paris, a separate one that joined with the Gilets Jaunes yesterday of some 25,000 people. They were out there protesting to save the planet, but specifically their grievance was against corruption that was preventing it from from actually happening. Yeah, Yeah, I think uh, there's one more picture uh, about Macron. I just wanted to end on a final word about Macron and and as a way to explain why he rubs French people the wrong way in a very particular way. Um, And we've talked about his trashing of nationalism and by implication French nationalism and patriotism and ordinary French people's uh, pride in their own country and his his advocacy for multiculturalism and his, his apparently his preference for other people, people other than the French people. He doesn't really like French people. He likes other nationalities and other, you know, other ethnicities, etc. And this was probably one way that they that Macron really underlined this point was what at the national earlier this year in the middle of summer in June um, at a, the National Fête de la Musique uh, music festival, French music festival that the French president uh, took part in and uh, had an event at the Elysee. Macron himself decided, uh, well I'll let this picture sum it up, Macron decided on a particular type of music. Uh, this image is the, uh, it kind of sums it up, it was... Uh, music, quote-unquote, type of music, I suppose you call it, uh, and there were dancers, all of them um, black. Uh, I think all of them one type of non-cis, uh, <laughs> perhaps non-binary. You've got to get this right, John. Non- non-binary in some cases, uh, non-cisgender. Um, all of them men, basically, okay? <clears throat> well, no, not all of them are men, but some of the men were... They all look like men to me. Well, there's one... Well, that one down the bottom left, I don't know, but definitely one of them, one, okay, all of them men, but one of the men is, was wearing hot pants and high heel boots and had long hair, and, but all of them in string vests, that kind of thing, hot pants, you know, and gyrating and dancing around, around them with Macron. He didn't dance himself, but he was very proud to take a picture uh, with these people, and this was his contribution to the Fête de la Musique Française. Uh, a festival of music, but 
I mean, obviously, I had to focus on French music, you know, and this is what he chose as representation of not only French music, but also his own personal preference for, I suppose, music and, and music artists. Uh, so, you know, quite far from anything even approximating traditional French uh, music or anything to do with traditional tradition in France at all, you know. So this is just one example of the kind of things that Macron has been at pains to kind of... Um, to promote yeah. that that just is leaving symbols, a, a large majority are, of French people unhappy. Symbols are important. Absolutely. As much as economics <clears throat> and great ideas, um, people ultimately, they're, they're affected by symbols. And, and this is not one that will go over well with most people. It's not going to win you any votes. Um, he, he looks very, very happy on, on the left side, the photo where he's yeah. posing with all of them for a, for a nice picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually seen a photo of him where he looks quite that happy, which... Yeah, absolutely. Well, there was one other picture where he looked me. very happy. It was when he was in Haiti just a few months ago. Oh, yeah. And he met a couple of black guys, a couple of young uh, hoodlums, actually, 19-year-old hoodlums with their shirts off, sweaty in uh, Haiti heat. And he has a picture of him embracing them uh, very warmly. Let's not show that one again. Let's not show that one, no. But yeah, that's that's part of the problem. But that's we're in a real pickle here, folks. You know, and uh, it's something actually, uh, something we've talked about oh for about twenty years now, uh, and more or less predicted. We never didn't know how it was going to pan out, but we had the broad uh, the broad strokes pretty much down, and nothing seems to have changed in that respect. That you know, for a long time we've been predicting, as a few, very very few other people have been on the web predicting some major climate and earth changes. Yeah that are going to upset the apple cart in a very, very big way. And we've and been it, on this. And I mean, we do monthly Earth Changes video. And in case anybody doesn't know, we put together Earth Changes videos every month uh, to show just how crazy the the Earth and climate changes are and how, how they're getting worse on a monthly basis. So, um, And it's been there. The story of it has been there in history all along, right. in before our eyes. What happened was we started to reinterpret history to say, well, it can't have been like that. It must have been like this. What I have in mind is at the around the time of the collapse of the Roman Empire, you had what was called, what is called today, the Great Migration Period or the Great Wandering. Now, that's gone down as a series of battles where Rome was politically weak. So these barbarian hordes from Germania and further east, the Huns all came in, the Visigoths and so on. But if you look at the agreed-upon roots of much of the... Um, movements of people uh they were from all over the place they were coming from north africa as well yes they were coming from central uh, eurasia anyway but the general point is that this huge upheaval mass migration period took place coincident with the collapse of the power An structure empire. a big empire and the people the people who, who are ruling today they know they know their history they know that these kind of things happen and i'll give you one practical example of maybe the impact of that, the direct impact of that was that uh, not many people probably know this, even though many people have been there or seen it, is that in Rome, the Roman Forum, the center, big area that's the center of, that was the center of Roman political life, uh, was excavated, I think just in the 1800s sometime, um, late 1800s, was discovered uh, under 10 meters or 30 feet of silt. Right. So that's one, one way, one kind of the effect. One of the effects of climate change is that well, a major part of a city suddenly yeah. <laughs> finds itself thirty feet 
buried 30 feet under the ground. I don't know much about it, but it brings to mind mud quakes. Um, or tsunamis. Li- liquefaction or... of the land right. during earthquakes. We've seen that a little bit more, especially with that incident in Indonesia in September. Right. That was, the video footage of that is nuts. Right. Obviously, there was a small tsunami that was devastating. But in addition to that, the ground started to flow away mm-hmm. like a sea. Mm-hmm. Liquefaction. Liquefied. I mean, there's some crazy stuff happening on the planet. Um, in a way, they're, they're, they, they yammer on and on about it, but in a way, they don't talk about it at all. It, mm-hmm. It's all a ruse. It's smoke and mirrors. It's, it's climate change. It's climate shift. It's worse than that. We need a new term for it or something. It's like, mm. and now I think we start to understand why it is paired with, at the level of policy setting, mass migration. Yep. And they won't tell you this because they don't want to spook you. But that's why we're here to tell you. To spook you. Well, also, no, we want to inform you because you need <clears throat> no, to know. Just to tell you. you. That way you can't be, you won't be going off like, you got to be careful when you're going off on taking a hard, a hard and fast issue on what everyone, you know, has an opinion on, a strong opinion on. Isn't able to understand why the elites are, are doing driven, what they do. Driven by this. It doesn't, won't make you friends with them, of course, but. At least now you'll have an idea and you won't be left with the more crazy conspiracy theories like, oh, well, you see, the, the white elites who rule Europe and North America, the West, they're driven by some crazy need to bring in all these people to deliberately brown Europe and brown mm-hmm. North America. And that's, yeah. they're getting into crazy intentions there. That, right. that doesn't cover it. It's not mm-hmm. going to explain their economic and their rational uh, motivations for doing this. Mm-hmm. It's for their power and privilege, yeah, because there's a shitstorm coming and they want to get through it and they want to be on top on the other side of it. Right. We think. Yeah. In the meantime, just keep watching our uh, monthly Earth Changes summary videos that we publish every single month, usually around the first week of the month. And it gives an update on all the major events that have happened that previous month. And it's pretty wild. Every single... You can see for yourself just how the climate and not just the climate, but the earth. That's why it's called Earth Changes Summary. It's not Climate Change Summary, it's mm-hmm. Earth Changes Summary. Climate actually is quite a small part of it, although one of the major things that have been happening uh, over the past couple of years is an increasing amount of uh, massive, massive rainfall in a very short period of time being dumped on, on different places. But there's lots of other stuff in there that just shows that climate slash earth changes are real, happening, and uh, and increasing in intensity. And this is like what we're saying. This is what uh, certain uh, select elite are are aware of and are trying to prepare for and part of that preparation is keeping as many people as possible in the dark about the reality of it so we we'll think uh, i think we'll leave it there for this week um we hope you enjoyed the show we hope it was informative if you like the video like subscribe etc and we'll be back next week with another show until then have a good evening see you next week bye everyone